The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited double miles on every purchase every day. What's in your wallet? As you heard from Kevin Winter in our Sports Center, and did a segment on that in the second segment, second hour of the show today, Rasilla Show, ESPN Radio, ESPN News, Shohei Otani, the Japanese Babe Ruth, signing with the Angels, Los Angeles Angels there. So not the Dodgers, not the Yanks, not the Cubs, not the Padres, not San Francisco, not Seattle. I think I remember at some point being convinced it was going to be any of those teams at any given time, and Buster only will help us sort that out and the issue the Angels could have with the fact that they actually got to do. All right, but let's talk some NBA because we haven't really done much of that. We did a little of the Derrick Rose thing. Uh, maybe I'll start there with our man. Brian Windhorst joins us now on the Shell Penzoar performance line. Brian, what's up? Hey, Ryan. I think um, we are generally sympathetic people. I think in the media that can come become the case even more so because we're around the players. Uh, certainly you're around them a lot more than I am. But like the Derrick Rose thing, I saw a lot of media members going, hey, this guy's been through a lot. He's been through a lot of different injuries. But then I kind of look at it and go, oh, what? So you got you get to keep taking the breaks? I don't think he means anything to Cleveland. He's a nice spare piece. It didn't cost that much money. But him coming back and thanking every, I, I get. But at the same time, if I were running Cleveland, I'd be kind of over his deal at this point. Your thoughts? All right. Let's say a couple things that maybe we can agree on. Number one, it's not Derrick Rose's fault that he has been injured. It's not because he's been out of shape or anything like that, right? Do we agree on that? We over, do. over the course of his career. Yes, yes. Number two, can we agree that Derrick Rose's decision-making at times has not always been ideal? Uh, Yes. Okay. So we have those two things that coincide, and that makes for a complicated situation. Um, From what I understand here, Derrick was told that there was a a probability or a possibility that he may have to have surgery on this injury at some point, and that that information really was a blow to him, as you can imagine, because he's had a lot of surgeries and a lot of recoveries in his career, and he's at a point in his career where he thought, you know, he could get one more big contract, and that was going to be a setback for him. Um, I've been around covering the league long enough to know that situations in December a lot of times change dramatically over the course of the season. So as of right now, do the Cavs have a place in their rotation for Derrick Rose? No. In fact, you could argue that Derrick Rose leaving the team with an injury um, helped spur them on to the winning streak that they're on now because they made changes in their lineup, including letting Dwayne Wade play backup point guard that triggered them playing better. And so even if Derrick Rose is 100% healthy and, and was cleared to play today, I don't think he would play. But does that mean that he won't have some use for them in four months? Not necessarily. And that's why I think the Cavs are going to keep this alive. Now, if there's a, a player that comes along in a buyout situation in March where they're able to get their hands on a guy who they think materially can help them and they have to cut Derrick Rose at that time, that's a down-the-road situation. But I also think the Cavs always take the long view of things, and that's why they've tried to keep the door open, even if Derrick Rose doesn't look like he's the greatest fit today. Yeah, that, I think we agree on all of that stuff. You were just a little nicer about it than I was. Uh, <laughs> okay. I don't want to spend all the time on Derrick Rose here, but what is it about Cleveland? We know the defensive carryover where it started at 5-7 and seven at one point. What is this team doing now that we're going, okay, this makes sense again. They should be the best team in the East. Well, since the injuries to Tristan Thompson and Derrick Rose, they basically started playing lineups that shoot three-pointers more. Um, Early in the season, you know, they were playing Dwayne Wade and Derrick Rose together. That was a failure. That was how they started games at the start of the season. Uh, And Tristan Thompson, not a three-point shooter. Channing Frye was 
basically not playing. And so they've gotten back to shooting three. And they uh, that's the way they were designed to play. Now all of a sudden they're back to being a top five offense. Um, the other thing is their second unit, which has basically been led by Dwayne Wade. I mean, Dwayne, you know, if I were Derrick Rose, I would spend be spending time with Dwayne Wade because Dwayne Wade is giving the clinic that veteran players who are stars um, where they transition their careers. Dwayne Wade is playing phenomenally as a role player. Um, right now, Dwayne Wade's averaging more points than any LeBron James bench player has as a teammate in his career. So he's, LeBron has never had a support system off the bench like Dwayne Wade is giving him right now, both in making the plays, you know, being a playmaker and setting up his teammates, and also providing leadership when LeBron's off the court. Just because Dwayne Wade was an all-NBA player for so many years doesn't change the fact that he cannot be valuable in this role now. And so what you have now is the most dominating or one of the most dominating second units in all of the NBA. During this winning streak, the, 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 the Cavs' second unit is outscoring the opposition second unit by like 13 points a game. And then to put the cherry on top of all of that, LeBron's playing phenomenally. Yeah. He is playing at absolutely an MVP level. He has never shot the ball better. Um, I think one of the things we do when we evaluate fourth quarter clutch play is we look at the offensive stats, and his have been awesome. Ryan, he's playing so to high level defensively. Some nights he's guarding the opposition power forward. Some nights he's guarding the opposition center. Some nights the point guard in clutch situations. He is playing at an extraordinarily high level. And here you have the Cavs back playing the top level that we all thought they could at the start of the season. What are you willing to allow yourself to believe about Houston and what they can be on, on nights like last night when they just look, I mean, and I know Utah's missing pieces here and there, but um, this has been a really, I mean, look, I don't think people realize you wake up, if you check your standings, they actually have a better record than the Golden State Warriors. Right. So last night, Ryan Anderson went nine of 11 on nights when they have their role players like Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson shoot well, like when, on nights when Eric Gordon goes six of eight from three, they're going to win. And um, the, the the question with the Rockets has always been, how can they play when they're not hitting on all cylinders? What is their margin for error? Their defense has dramatically improved. Um, my colleague, uh, Chris Herring, wrote a story for 538 yesterday, and he had a fact in that story that, to me, Ryan, defines the Rockets team. They are the number one defense in the league after a made basket, which means if they can get back and set their defense, they are an elite defensive team. It's another way of saying that their defense is their offense. When they're putting the ball in the basket, they're awesome. I know it sounds pretty elementary, but when they actually are making shots, it's awesome. So the question, is, and if you look at their what was it their last season, year? Do you remember what it was last year? Was it was it middle of the pack? Was it actually top five? Because I think I remember hearing that stat that that was a very telling thing. Like, yes, it sounds simplistic, but I think there's a massive jump for them after a make. Well, last year when they brought in Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon, I thought they might be one of the worst defensive teams in the league, but they ended up being a mid-level defensive team for most of the season. This year they're playing at a high-level defensively. So if you look at their games, they're generally blowing out their opponents. They haven't had a lot of close games. So I look at them. I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed that they got uh, Luke Mabam, Mute, and P.J. Tucker. One of the things about Chris Paul that has impacted this team Chris Paul's presence on the roster got them P.J. Tucker and, 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 and Maba Mute. They had relationships with him dating back to their teen years in the case of Tucker, and they signed those guys away from other teams, defensive plus players, that has helped them. The question for me will be with this team is, 
when they have a bad night, when they are not getting Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon shooting really well, when they are not uh, blasting their threes, can they, can they win in those middle ground games? That, to me, is how you determine a champion because so often when you look at championship teams, it's their wide margin for error. Right now, the Rockets look phenomenal, and they may be there. They may be there at the end, but I still have to see that um, under pressure, which we're going to see eventually. We're talking with Brian Windhorst. Final thought before I say goodbye. Is there a name when you're making the calls, and you know how excited we all get about trades, but is there a name that kind of leads most conversations? And pay attention to this could be the first bigger name on the block. I think everybody's watching DeAndre Jordan right now. Um, but if I were a G, I mean, you know, there's rumors out there about DeAndre. I won't get into that really. But if I to. were a GM, if I were a GM right now and I had bullets to fire, I had the ability to make a major trade. I wouldn't do anything until I saw the Thunder stabilize, because I would just want to make 100% sure that Paul George is not available in February. Now, I'm not saying that he is. I'm not. I want to be 100% clear on this because you get into the blogosphere and then all of a sudden I got the news desk breathing down my neck, okay? I'm not saying he is, but I'm saying if I had high draft picks, if I had good young pieces, if I had expiring contracts and I was looking to make the whale move, why would I sniff around DeAndre Jordan when I could wait and see if something happens with Paul George later on. To me, that's what the, the smart money out there is doing, some of these teams that have uh, bullets to fire, so to speak. I think that's good, and I think that's responsible, the way you did it. We won't tweet out when Horse says Paul George on the move. All right, how about that? Thank you very much. It, it happens more than, unfortunately, I'd, I'd like. It'd actually be great if it happened for us, not for you, but we won't do that to you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Eric. Take care. Brian Windhorst. Hit us up, 100flowers.com, Twitter feed. It's at Rosillo Show. And reminding you that it's V-Week. Please join ESPN and the V-Foundation in the fight against cancer. Visit v.org forward slash donate. All donations benefit the V-Foundation for cancer research. Shohei Atani headed to Major League Baseball and headed to the L.A. Angels. How that story happened, what went down, and why there's also an element of this that should maybe worry Angels fans. That's Buster Only story right here on ESPN Radio. In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. And now another edition of Obvious News from GEICO. Experts now say that wearing more clothes in the winter will, in fact, help you be warmer. We asked cold victim Trent Patterson about this, and here's what he said. Yeah, it was the weirdest thing. I I was a little cold, put on a sweater, then wasn't cold. I was like, what? Also in Obvious News, GEICO makes it easy to save money and easy to reach them, with licensed agents available around the clock. So switching is a really smart decision. That's Obvious News from GEICO. Obvious News! 
Breaking news on today, and it's from the world of baseball. And I do think that this story happened 10 years ago. It would be nonstop coverage of it, and it should be more uh, of a priority for all of our shows here because Shohei Atani, 23-year-old outfielder and potential top-of-rotation starter, Japanese baseball player, as they call him, Japanese Babe Ruth, we knew there was a lot of teams in on this, and he ends up just an hour or so ago signing with the Los Angeles Angels, and somebody who knows the story very well from a lot of different angles Joins us now in the Shell Penzoil Performance Line, one of the best baseball guys going. It is Buster Only. What's up, Buster? What's up, Ryan? What a fun kind of a fun day. <laughs> I know. I love this story. I can't wait. I mean, the first time I had read about him, heard about him, saw the piece on him, I go, okay, you know, what's real here? So let's let's try to get a little timeline thing here going. There were all these teams that felt like that were, oh, hey, it's going to be the Cubs. It's going to be this team. What happened? How did it end up with him with the Angels? Oh, boy. Uh, And I'll tell you flat out that uh, teams from the beginning of this process, uh, when they began scouting Atani, when they were going over, traveling, we heard about teams going over to watch him in Japan this summer, uh, as they prepared for the bidding process, as they met with him this week, they were trying to figure out what he was looking for. And to this moment, even after he picks the Angels, I don't think anybody really has a big feel. He's been a giant mystery all along. Uh, Nez Balelo, his agent, uh, put out a statement saying that you know he felt uh, very a lot of warmth from the Angels and, and he was excited about joining that team. Um, I, you know, who knows what the tipping point was because the financial uh, landscape was essentially equal because of the international signing rules. One of my questions is. Uh, you know, was Mike Trout in some form or fashion involved in the recruiting of Atani? Because that's the one seeming advantage that the Angels had over every other team. They could trot out the world's best player. And Trout is such a warm individual, uh, and I'm sure that uh, if he was in the room, he probably put on a, you know, a really uh, a great show for Atani and, and made, him very, made it very clear to him that he couldn't wait to have him over and, and to uh, help to try to beat the Astros. So in this answer, then, tell me why it wasn't some of the other teams, and is this about meeting his demands and his quiz and like how he's going to be used? I assume if he had this many teams after him, then they will use him the exact way he expects to be used, whatever that is, right? Yeah, and I think every team, because uh, he was sort of uh, akin to the, the college basketball recruit who was saying, I want to start and I want to be the point guard, and every coach is going to tell that kid, okay, well, come on in, and then we'll see. I think that's how all 30 teams in baseball you know, were looking at Atani. Okay, you know, come on in, and uh, we'll see if we can make this work. I'm sure the Angels will give it a try. Uh, you know, they do have the advantage, being in the American League, of giving him some access to the DH a couple days a week. I know a lot of baseball people think that uh, as he goes through a 162-game schedule, that eventually uh, he'll become more of a pitcher than a, 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 any kind of a position player or serve as a designated hitter. But you knew the Angels uh, going into it, like every other team, they were going to give him an opportunity to do that. Okay, so, man, that still sounds a lot like we're going to Americanize this guy and go, yeah, we'll let you hit a little bit here or there. Um, It also makes way more sense for an American League team. Um, Well, the practical stand, I mean, purely, and I I did a piece on this a few weeks ago and talked to uh, different uh, guys who had been in that role where they tried to be dual pitchers and hitters. It's extremely difficult to try to do both just because of the demands of each of the positions. Uh, I think the Angels probably, because of how their pitching staff is structured, they're very well equipped to go to a six-man rotation, uh, and that would facilitate a Tani. And because of you know the rest you need the day before a start, the rest you might want it the day after a start, it might be that you know if he starts on a Monday, could have Tuesday off, could serve as a DH on a Wednesday and a Thursday, uh, maybe a Friday, off on Saturday, back out on the mound on Sunday. Um, we saw you know, in Japan, 
uh, along with pitching once a week, he got about 350 plate appearances. So it's not like he's serving as a, a hitter DH um, every moment that he's not pitching. Shohei Atani signs with the Angels. Buster only with that story here at Rosillo Show ESPN Radio. Can you tell me uh, a bit more about the money and how the structure changed for players under 25 and how everybody seemed to be stockpiling this international bonus money? Yeah, and I, I basically think that the money aspect of it uh, was completely irrelevant uh, because, you know, the kid, if he had waited two years, and I had so many agents tell me that if they were re- representing him, they would have told him, look, you would be smart to wait two years to make this jump because if he had waited till after 2019, he would have been in line to make 200 plus million dollars. That's what I was hearing from teams about what his value would be in the open market as a free agent. But the kid at age 23 uh, decided that he wanted to come here now, even though he now goes into a situation where he has a minimal bonus. Uh, you know, the Angels what 2.3 million dollars, and then first couple of years he basically is going to be making minimum wage. Uh, so like he's five hundred grand, like, basically. Yeah, minimum minimum salary. That's that's what he's in line to make as he starts his career. So rather than wait two years and go for that big dollar, he wants to play against the highest level of competition. And that decision, while it was certainly perplexing to a lot of agents, I, I think it uh, really reinforced the idea that this was a kid that you want to invest in. Have you heard from anyone that said, you know what? I don't think he's going to be that good. No. No, everybody, uh, he, uh, you know, is a pitcher. He's a high-end guy, throws 101 miles an hour, and you can find his, the clips on YouTube of how great his breaking stuff is. His command is, you know, still a work in progress. He's a hitter. He's got power. He's six foot three. hits the ball left center field. He's thought to be a better pitcher than he is a hitter, and he's been clocked running to first base as fast as Mike Trout. So he's the total package uh, in terms of being an athlete, I mean, let's say for argument's sake that uh, the pitching thing didn't work out, he certainly would have the tools uh, to try to be uh, to transition into to, into a full time hitter, which is why so many general managers are telling me that his value would have been off the charts if he had just waited. But no gyro ball, right? <laughs> right. I have not heard about a gyro ball, right? Okay, just double check. <laughs> I want to ask you about Stanton and the Yankees and what's going on there. But one last question, because you had the story this morning on dot com, and I was reading it. The Angels, yay, we won, but what do the Angels have to worry about as far as baseball is concerned with any team that got Otani? Well, I think, you know, there's been so much focus on this, uh, so much scrutiny that already you're hearing from executives that they think that in the end, uh, because of all the attention on him, that there probably is going to be some kind of review slash investigation from Major League Baseball. Uh, and, and Major League Baseball has been warning teams uh, unlike any other time with involving any other player uh, about breaking rules in this case. And we saw last month when they busted the Braves and, and they uh, gave a lifetime ban to their general manager for their actions. Uh, they put everybody on notice. And so I suspect that just to, to satisfy other teams who maybe weren't happy with the process, that could happen. Okay, Stanton, Yankees, how has this story changed in the last 24 hours? Well, I think all along, I mean, let's face it, uh, as people were talking about, uh, you know, the potential deals with the Marlins and, you know, the Cardinals, the Marlins and the Giants, that really didn't uh, pass through the most important portal, and that is what does Giancarlo Stanton want? Uh, It's been a surprise that there hasn't been more communication between Stanton and the Marlins about what he wants, because he completely controls this process. And so if 
he's only willing to accept a deal to a small handful of teams, the Dodgers, the Yankees, then at some point the Marlins, who are just desperate to shed salary, uh, are going to have to deal with one of those teams. And much in the same way we saw when Alex Rodriguez uh, became available in the offseason 2003-2004, the Red Sox had a shot at him. They didn't get him, and the Yankees wound up getting him in a sweetheart deal. And that could be what happens here. If he's willing to go to the Yankees, there's certainly some structural things that could work out between the Marlins uh, and the Yankees because at some point the Marlins are so debt-ridden, the pressure is on them uh, if they want to shed $295 million in salary to make a deal with a team that Stan's willing to go to. Thank you, Buster. This was awesome, man. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks, Ryan. Take care, man. Buster, only all this stuff. You can read that investigation story, too, on Otani. Uh, basically Manfred, the commissioner, going, whoever gets him, we're going to be looking into this thing to make sure there's not some wink-wink deal down the road. That is on ESPN.com. The Rosillo Show is on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, comparing rates to help you save. Now that's Progressive. Call or click today and find how much Progressive could save you. Okay, up next, why college football, at least for the head coaches, are just like Christmas parties. It's ESPN Radio. Now that Human Resources VP Ashley Campbell has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, she's managing her workforce like a rock star. She even has her own hype song. I'm the spark before the fire. I'm the power in the train. I have a really diverse workforce with different hours, skill sets, and pay grades. Don't stop. Don't stop. I'm the dream. You should know that. Now we're motivating and engaging the right people. Every step of the way. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce and the people who support them. Learn more at Kronos.com slash HR Swagger. Okay, Christmas parties. I was listening to my man Rude Jude just the other day. And he was having people call in to complain about their Christmas parties from work, their corporate, their their office Christmas parties. I forgot about Christmas parties because I don't have any friends and I don't really go to any ever. And then I'll go to the gym and I'll see like a dude and he'd be like, oh, I'm dying Christmas party season. I go, that's right. You have friends. You're part of society. Uh, we used to have a Christmas party here at ESPN. That was a long time ago. And the first couple years, I think I was working here. I wasn't a full-time employee, so maybe I wasn't allowed to go. And then I think maybe the third year I was part-time, I could have gone, and I didn't. And then I don't know what happened, but they shut that one down. That's over. They used to let everybody go to it. Like, you got to kill somebody to get a Super Bowl ESPN the Magazine invite. I couldn't even get invites to that, like, the first few years. And I was on air, I think, yeah. So it comes down to a simple question. Do you deserve a Christmas party? If we took calls on it, everybody would call up and say, yeah, I deserve a Christmas party. I'm right. I'm the employee. I heard people calling in my man, Rude Jude, saying, if it wasn't for us, if it wasn't for us, the employee, what would the business be? And I thought, hmm, that's one way of looking at it. But if I owned a company, now it depends on what company it is, I may say to myself, yeah, I could throw a Christmas party or I could not throw a Christmas party, but... Like, do you really think that if it wasn't for you, and it depends on the business you were running. I think if all of us are being honest with ourselves at times, many of us are very replaceable. Hell, even I'm replaceable, okay? But the point is, is that 
if you thought if if you and your ten buddies left your I don't know your cabinet installation job because you didn't have a Christmas party, the guy that owns the cabinet uh, cabinet installation company would probably find ten other guys to be able to install cabinets. That's my point. So then it comes down to kind of this right because guys were complaining that they couldn't bring plus ones, and then it turned to this whole different conversation. But what happens is, and this happens in life all the time, is that if there are a larger number of people arguing for that thing, then that group always thinks they're right, right? They're going, hey, majority rules. We are the employees. We want a Christmas party. Where's the eggnog? And I actually think it reminds me a lot of college football because there's so many players that hate the system. There's so many members of the media that hate the system, but there's all the coaches going, yeah, I sign a contract. I can leave whenever I want. There's almost no penalty, and if there is a buyout, the boosters pay for that one too, or it's made up in the new contract. I never have to wait. I have to recruit players and tell them the right things that I'm committed, but as soon as I get my dream job, if I'm Willie Taggart, I can leave Oregon after a year because that's the business I'm in. What do you tell young people if you're successful? Hey, get in the right racket, right? Get into pharmaceuticals. Get into that deal. Medical equipment. Striker. Sign up with those guys. Get your book of business. Next thing you know, you're in Cabo four times a year. So if the college football coach, who, by the way, is a grad assistant for no money, probably loses the first love of his life because she's like, screw this guy. He's a GA now making twelve grand a year sleeping on a couch, and I can't do the ramen noodle thing anymore. Now, if she's in for the long haul, like all of these head coaches that have this thing that's so great that all of us seem to hate, and I don't hate it, like that's their business. That's the way the rules are set up. Yes, it's unfair, but just because there's a million people complaining about it, does it mean that you're right That because you're in the majority? And I think that's the difference with college football and some of this other stuff because the majority does rule all the time. Like I always look at my situation in my town. I pay a ton of taxes. I should be getting a rebate every year. I should be a community hero. They should be honoring me every year going, here's Ryan. He's made it to 42. His carbon footprint is low. He doesn't use any of the facilities. He never brings kids to the swing sets. He doesn't use the parks. He doesn't use any of the schooling system. And he's paying a full boat. Now, if I proposed, I think over 40, no kids, I should get a tax rebate, I'd be right, but everybody would vote against me. Everybody would go, nope, you're wrong. I go, well, wait a minute. Why are you right? Because there are more of you? No, I am the college football head coach in this scenario. I am right. I should be taken care of. I'm helping keep population numbers down, which is a whole other topic. And yet everybody would vote against me because you would be in the majority and you would say you're right. So with this college football thing, there's so many of you that think, oh, the college football coaches, they shouldn't be able to do all these things. They should have to set out a year. They should have to say the life of the contract. Why are you right? Because there's more of you? I'm not going to go to one Christmas party this year. And that's not a political statement. That's an attendance issue. Brewski tells a great Philip Rivers story. Uh, Philip Rivers was talking smack with the Pats, and somebody on the Pats absolutely destroyed Rivers to where his own teammates laughed. That story's on previously, and the pick six for this week. I'm just going to go undefeated to get back to 500. No problem. CSBN Radio. Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock, he constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. 
So switch and save with Geico. It's almost better than sports. Rosillo Show. It's ESPN Radio, ESPN News. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Get all that Christmas shopping done. I haven't started. What's up? Not a huge surprise. I don't think anybody's surprised about that. Um, what did I do the other day that was pretty... Oh, I cleaned up my fridge. It's salad dressings. I found a salad dressing from 2015 and eggs from March. Winner. Before we do our weekend picks, speaking of winners, previously he's with Teddy Bruschi, and we started talking about Philip Rivers, and he told a great story about how Rivers was going at his team, the Pats, and one of his teammates just mic-dropped him. Previously on the Ryan Rosillo Show. Does he talk a ton of garbage the entire – did you hate him? I didn't hate him. Did you like him? I didn't like him either. <laughs> but, yeah, Philip does talk a lot of trash. He's very... Do you remember anything he said to you? He's an intense competitor. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Come on, give us no, one. Okay, I, I just remember him barking back and forth with us in the huddle. And um, I couldn't believe this quarterback is motivating our defense to try and, you know, knock his head off or something like that. But Mike Vrabel had one of the uh, best comebacks I've ever heard in the history of comebacks when... Um, Philip Rivers was talking trash to us, and he and he, Rabe just went almost to their huddle, and he says, "Listen, you'll never be Drew Brees. We know it, and they know it." And he pointed right to his huddle. Wow! <laughs> and everybody in the huddle went, "Oh!" And we sort of looked at him and just sort of smiled and nodded our heads, and that, that was that. That's a pretty good comeback. Pretty good, pretty good. But Rivers have been great, and I think for all the Rivers jokes, because I made them all the time too, like, hey, it's a close Chargers game. Here we go, Phillip Rivers running around like a crazy man. Everybody's trying to kill him. He's the least sack quarterback of anyone in the league right now, so that offensive line that we beat up on deserves a lot of credit, and they have two of the best edge guys going, and this Chargers team is the best team in their division, even if the standings don't necessarily tell us that. Before the picks, let's get you the weekend preview. The Rosillo Show, Call to Action, brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit us at geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. Do you have Rolling any music? The, far side, intercepted. the Ryan Rosillo Show's 29-yard pick six. Pick six. What's the music? Oh, come on. Let's give us something. We got four minutes here. The weekend, Bubba's got a huge date tonight. Not her size, just the anticipation. Um, that came out wrong. Why don't you play some 90s? Play some 90s. How about some more Bush? Huh? Do you know the deal of the lead singer, Bush, Surdy? This guy would be, if you knew him, if you were if you were older, you would. this would be your hero. Why is that? Do you know his deal? Like, I think he played professional soccer for a little bit. Whoa. And he was the lead singer of a Brit band. Wait, they're British? Bush, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. They were good when I was in college, so I don't expect you to know anything. So I'm not holding any of this against you. Because my first instinct was like, you don't even know this stuff? Like, check him out, lead singer. No, I, I, I listen to their songs. I just I didn't know either of those facts. This is like, who's that Kevin dude who I think is amazing, amazing the amazing soccer player, Kevin De, De Bruyne? De Bruyne? Yeah. Yeah, Redhead. this would be like if De Bruyne was the lead singer Radiohead also. That might be an exaggeration. 
Do we have any 90s music? There we go. Six under 500. All I have to do is go 6-0. and Raiders at Chiefs. Oakland plus four. It's not happening this weekend for Oakland. It's never happening. Go ahead and take them plus the four, even though Kansas City's due, but I hate their defense now. And Alex Smith no longer the league MVP. Vikings at Panthers. Okay, Minnesota favored here on the road, minus two and a half. I'm going to go ahead and take the Panthers for no reason other than the number. Eagles at Rams. Eagles, did they peak too early? Is the blueprint out for Carson Wentz? Did they read their own clippings? I have sources that tell me they have not peaked and that they did not get hot at the wrong time. So give me Philadelphia plus two at the Rams. Seahawks at Jaguars. Uh, Seattle, a lot of people are going to be loving this with the points. Jacksonville, blah, they're a little overrated because you watch Seattle take care of the Eagles. But rather only one loss prior to that primetime game. Don't fall for that. Take Jacksonville at home, minus the two and a half. Ravens at Steelers. Throw the records out when these two play. Forget it. Forget it, man. This is just old school, three yards, a cloud of dust. Smash mouth football. It's actually not. I don't think either of these teams can run the football. That well, Levian obviously can, but I think of Pittsburgh still more as a spread team. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take Baltimore plus the four and a half because I think Pittsburgh plays down to every opponent, even though Baltimore today is a playoff team, which blows my mind. I'm going to double check something here to make sure. This is almost like I'm doing the podcast live because uh, I don't want you going into the weekend with bad information. I wanted to double-check Baltimore's rushing offense, and it's middle of the pack, so it's a little bit better now than I thought it was. All right, uh, that's it, man. That's pretty much it. I don't know. Uh, what are you doing this weekend, Bubba? Uh, you know, just hanging out. I got a uh, My oh. friends and I are contemplating a, uh, a Europe trip next year, so we're meeting today, early planning stages. <laughs> so we're doing some planning tonight. <laughs> so, Wait yeah. a minute. You're, you're having a plan? So you're just... You have a title for drinking on Friday. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ten seconds. Okay. All right. Um, everybody enjoy the holiday parties. You deserve them, sort of. That'll do it for us. The Rosilla Show. It's ESPN Radio.